1: Can we talk about it? Let's talk. Ryan Murphy called me and said, Hey, I've got this thing I want you to do. And I said, Okay, yes, I'll do it. (laughs) Then I looked at the scripts and was like, Oh my God.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Awardist, where we are chatting with actors, creators, and more who are contenders this year and breaking down the state of the 2023 Emmys race. Might be the 2024 Emmys race if we keep this strike up for too much longer. I'm Entertainment Weekly Executive Editor Jared Hall, and joining me this week is
2: EW Editor-in-Chief Patrick Gomez. Hello. Hello. How Uh, goes? All right, other than trying to figure out uh, all this strike situation, but I'm grateful that uh, at least some conversations are being had now, so that's nice to hear. Baby steps. Baby
0: steps. Better than no steps at all. Uh, Yeah, I mean, things are, it's funny because it feels like Things uh, like it's a mess, and things keep getting messier. When in actuality, I think it's really just like confusion over what people can and can't do, and uh, you know, and all this other stuff. Um, But, but yeah, I think we're 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 making it out uh, so far so good here on our end right now, and um, you know, business as
2: normal as it can be. Yeah, I mean, honestly, as difficult as it is to navigate the uncertainty, because that's the thing. If we all knew this was going to last a couple months. We'd all be able to plan for a couple months yeah, from now. But right. it's, it's those conversations that we have to continue to have mm-hmm. uh, about things that could possibly happen in like, say, October, November, but that yeah. probably won't, but maybe will. And so you have <laughs> right. to, it's all of that that's been, um, you know, I'm sure anyone in the industry is feeling all that the same. And if you're listening yeah. to this and not in the industry, that's just a little peek behind the curtain is that we're all just running around like the yeah. world's on fire because it kind of is for yeah. multiple reasons. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's nice to know that at least conversations are being had versus uh no one coming to the table indeed Uh, if you're unfamiliar with what we're talking about um the writers uh are are at least making some progress and having some meetings and hopefully the um sag after conversations will follow quick suit Yeah, hopefully
0: soon after that. uh, I know things are still a bit heated uh, between, uh, you know, both sides, but um, it does seem to be some progress. We kept saying, like, it just kind of it feels like it just takes one person to help, like, nudge this all along. And it seems like there might be a
2: one person emerging. Like, is it going to be Ted Sarandos? I mean, at this point, I'll take anyone. But yes, uh, it very well could be. I think the other thing that's important to note is that these conversations that are happening on the writer's side, uh, are happening at the 100 day mark yes uh and there's a lot of contractual stuff that goes into effect at the 100 day mark in terms of them being able to walk away from some contracts mm-hmm. uh and such uh on the producer side mm-hmm. so uh d- these conversations are good to be have but also they're kind of tied to like and by the way we're releasing yeah. a bunch of people from their contracts in ways that aren't great so yep. it's you know one step forward two steps back but we'll take we'll take any conversations we can get exactly exactly
0: well uh and you know the the news last week was that the Emmys uh are they've been postponed we do not have a date uh just yet as of this recording no date just yet but phase 2 continues uh we we are still uh you know bringing all of you the interviews the voting is still going to happen um uh, because that at least, you know, that, that would really kind of make things messy if, if all of that changed as well. Uh, so today's guest, uh, this is an interview that was conducted before the start of the SAG after a strike. I, she is really one of my favorite people of this interview. Uh, she she got teary eyed a couple times. She made me uh, a little emotional in the process. But it's Niecy Nash Betts uh, who plays the... Gosh, the 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 diligent, the concerned, the uh, steadfast neighbor, Glenda Cleveland uh, in Netflix's limited series Dahmer Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story. They should have made it that a little longer. Um, but uh, she, <laughs> Add she's a colon. Exactly. She's fantastic. Uh, can't wait for everyone to hear that, uh, coming up just a little bit later. But because that is a limited series, we're going to talk about some of those categories today. Uh, specifically, she's in the supporting category. So let's talk about the supporting limited and supporting drama actors. And then we'll also talk about the big, uh, limited series category. Let's dive into, uh, let's deal with drama first, uh, because we love some drama here. Drama uh, supporting actress nominees. One, two, three, four, five. There are five from The White Lotus, Jennifer Coolidge, Megan Fahey, Sabrina Impacciatori Aubrey Plaza, and Simona Tabasco. And then we also have Elizabeth Debicki from The Crown, Ray Horn from Better Call Saul, and Jay Smith Cameron from Succession. Now, for season one, we know that uh, when the show was competing as a limited series, Jennifer Coolidge won. Uh, I don't think people were expecting five women from White Lotus to get nominated, but a lot got nominated from the first season as well. Of these, it feels like Coolidge is the one to beat, but I, I, I'm i I'm very much of a mind here. I have someone who I think should
2: win that's not Jennifer Coolidge, but I think Jennifer Coolidge will win. How do you feel about it? Kind of the same. You know, I think it would be fantastic to see Rhea Seahorn mm-hmm. uh, celebrated. I personally would have given j smith cameron this award in other seasons not that her work was any less impressive but she just didn't seem to have a lot to do this season Mm -hmm. um in on succession uh i personally just like in terms of the material would give it to elizabeth to i you know think she continued to do fantastic work on the crown um uh, as uh princess diana but uh, yeah, I think just the momentum is behind Coolidge. Everyone mm-hmm. just loves her. They they love, and again, we've spoken about this on this podcast before, giving good speech yeah. like makes a huge difference yep. because people are just like, oh yeah, I want to see that person get up on that stage mm-hmm. and talk. Mm-hmm. And you're just always going to want to see Jennifer Coolidge mm-hmm. do that. And you know, while maybe there were other people up here with more dynamic performances, you could debate that. Yep. But I do think that she's definitely the one that's, walking into this with the most votes of the mm-hmm. people that aren't going to go back and rewatch things and just right. be like, I love her. I'm going to vote for her. Exactly. Yep. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm, ready we'll deserve. That I'm not saying, that, not saying that it, it would be an undeserved win. She's fantastic, Yep. but there's just all that going into it on yeah. top of it. But I'm, I'm curious who this, who the person you think deserves, uh, Megan Fahey is okay. my choice. You know, that's, that's interesting because out of the five I think she ranks lower on my list out of Mm. the five from White Mm. Lotus. Uh, By the way, I also love Sabrina uh, Impaciatori. I think
0: uh, right before nominations, when we were uh, making predictions, I was like, I would love to see her get in. And I was really glad she did. And honestly, I might love her stuff the most. I just don't think she necessarily stands a chance. But Megan, I just thought was so nuanced and subtle. And the way people uh, dissected her performance after, you know, the, the eye glances, the, you know, the just a slight movement of her mouth from a smile into, you know, just a, a stoic face. Um, she just did some
2: really great stuff. Yeah. I want to say she was lower on my list of the five. I still think she's fantastic. Yeah. and want her, like, I want her to get like an old school network procedural. Oh. Cause I think she would just like elevate it in uh-huh. a way that like, a lot of people in like the early 2000s came in to do procedurals on networks. Like I think she would be... She's got that charisma and she's mm-hmm. got that um, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. Yeah, um, but uh, she's—I um, think she's fantastic. So I—I yeah. I, I don't want to discredit her in any way, no, shape, or no, form. I hear you. But I was just surprised that that was the one that you were like, I think that's the one who deserves the most. But I'm all for it. Yeah, she—she's
0: um, got a really incredible presence and just kind of lights up the screen when she's on it. I love her. But yeah, Ray Seahorn, I—I mean, honestly, this is a category maybe more than any of the others. Like, if we could have a three-way tie. Uh, like, bring it. I, I would love to see that here, but I fear oh, it's it's criminal to say that Ray Seahorn is going to walk away
2: from the show with no wins. Probably Bob Odenkirk as well, but... But you know what, like, at a certain point, you know, I play dodgeball, and there's some seasons where our team is so, not even bad, just the other teams are better, Yeah, and, and we end up winning one game out of the season, mm-hmm. and you kind of just, like, are like can't, I, like, can't that just be my narrative, mm-hmm. is that we didn't win any of them? Yeah. Like, you almost kind of want that, like, yes, there would be a Cinderella story for the final yeah. season to win it, but you also kind of want to be the yeah. one that everyone's always like, they deserved an Emmy. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I'd almost rather be the person that everyone's yeah, a like. Yeah, very different story yeah. that comes along with that. yeah.
0: Mm, Courtney Cox for Friends. Yes. Not only never uh, won, she was never even nominated. Yeah. That to me is the, that's the, the big, one, the heavy, that's yeah. the other
2: thing too. It's be, it would be one thing if only like one or two people from that show right. got nominated over the years, but yeah. every single one of them except for her. And I would argue she was maybe in the top three for sure. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Fully agree with that. I was that. about to say best, and I was like, well, that's a whole other podcast. Uh, right, right. At least could Which maybe we yeah, should do. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll talk
0: about that. <laughs> um, so, sticking with the theme of White Lotus here, moving on to drama uh, supporting actor, four of the guys, F. Murray Abraham, Michael Imperioli, Theo James, and Will Sharp, they are joined by four guys from Succession, Matthew McFadden. Nicholas Braun, Alan Ruck getting his first nomination here finally, and then Alexander Skarsgård, Lord. I I mean, so I think it's McFadden's to lose. And tell me if you don't agree, but who do you think could be the upset?
2: I mean, I could see Skarsgård popping in. I would actually, knowing obviously there's rules of how you can submit and guests versus supporting, like it's the number of episodes you're in, Divided by the number of episodes of the season, right? Yeah, I hope I'm doing that math right. You're right. Yeah, you're mathing correct. <laughs> My math is mathing. I would say like he'd be a great lock for a guest, just because it, he, even though he was in a lot of the episodes, he, he served as a guest actor. Mm-hmm. Like he served right. somebody that came in and mixed things up, mm-hmm. and but the, that wasn't part of the core group. Yep. So I, that's the only reason that I feel like it probably will still go to McFadden. I would love to see Nicholas Braun get it. I'm glad Alan Ruck got yeah. got a nomination finally from the mm-hmm. show because I think he's been fantastic from minute one. Although similar to Skarsgård, this season he felt like part of the group. And yes. I think the joke was all the other seasons that he wasn't. And so I think that's also yeah. probably why he didn't get nominated because he kind of did kind of seem as like...
0: So on the peripheral.
2: Yeah, yeah. on the peripheral. And he kind of was still now, but like was able to have his moments. Yes. Which yep. I thought were really strong. And again, not to discredit any of the White Lotus guys but i think i think here it's just all the momentum is by in succession.
0: Yeah. It's funny because before nominations, F. Murray Abraham was on everyone's list as like a lock. And of the guys, I was like, well, yeah, I mean, he was fine. He was he was great. He's F. Murray Abraham. But I thought there were others who I was like, why are they not considered a lock? And some of those did get in. I think Will Sharp is fantastic mm-hmm. in this show. Um, he, like Megan, I, I think there's so much, you know, great subtlety to what he got to do. Whereas Theo James was just kind of in your face the whole time. But I think there's, there's a lot to be said for that too because the character he was overcompensating in so many ways
2: yeah there was a way was, to make that character yeah. really one dimensional and yep. he certainly did not and Michael Imperioli also was very quiet in his performance yep. with this and I know you liked Adam DeMarco Yeah, you were really pulling for him I, he's great I would mean, have loved Adam to yeah. get nominated actually to be honest out of uh, over all Five yeah. of these guys. I would have rather him be nominated. I just thought he did such a fantastic job. And he there. had a lot of different stuff to do as yeah. well. Yeah. But it, it struck me that F. Murray Abraham was a front runner in the way that he mm-hmm. was and has been, just because, you know, there is the clouds of yep. the accusations. And, yep. you know, obviously he's spoken out against those accusations. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there was multiple conversations there. And so mm-hmm. I was I was so intrigued about the fact that like he was just still like the front runner there. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree with you that, like, that was the conversation prior to nominations. But now it does seem like everyone's on Team Succession, at least. Like yeah, the buzz.
0: I think so. I think so. Uh, yeah. So uh, congrats in advance to Matthew McFadden. <laughs> we'll go ahead and say that. OK, now let's jump over to limited or anthology series or television movie. Let's talk about the supporting actresses first. We've got two from Welcome to Chippendales, Annalie Ashford, who I love so much and oh, everything, yeah. and Juliette Lewis from Beef, Maria Bello, Claire Danes for Fleishman is in Trouble, Camilla Maroney, I hope I'm saying her name correctly, from Daisy Jones and the Six, Nisi, as we've mentioned, from Dahmer, and then Merritt Weaver
2: for Tiny Beautiful Things. Merritt Weaver is just that actress that at least I unfortunately can forget about in between projects, but then the mm-hmm. minute they're in something, they're always the best, They're best. And I get so excited
0: it. when I see her name pop up in casting. I'm like, Oh, she's so good.
2: Yes. Fantastic. I think like she just deserves all the awards mm-hmm. for like, give her best cinematography. Like, I don't know. Like she deserves <laughs> yeah. all of them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And she has a previous Emmy winner uh, with, uh, I think I've said here, one of my favorite speeches ever. She was so uh, like shocked that all she could say was thanks. Thank you thank you. I got to go and just ran (laughs) off. Um, But that said, I I think Nisi is a clear front runner here. I don't really know if anyone can beat her.
2: It's also so interesting just because all the different award shows have different like Dahmer to me seems like 9000 years ago. Yeah. In a way that some of these other shows feel more recent. But I agree. I think the momentum is is behind her here, which is just incredible. Like her journey in Hollywood has been just incredible. And I love that like this is an award show, and you've got Claire Danes mm-hmm. in the mix here. And mm-hmm. the fact that we're not like, well, who the, the Emmy's love. Who the Emmy's love? Yeah. But like the fact that we're not like, well, it's going to the biggest star here. Right. Like I'm I'm grateful that, you know, some categories that may be the case. This one mm-hmm. I don't think is one of them. But to your point about Annalie Ashford, like I got to see her in Sweeney Todd mm-hmm. on Broadway really? a couple of months okay. ago. And she can do anything.
0: Yeah. Like, she to me, like uh Megan she lights up the screen she has such a huge personality i mean she was great as um paula jones in mm-hmm. impeachment yeah Gosh, she was so good in that and i thought that was a huge oversight that um well really none of them uh got yeah that was for that, that
2: was to me undeserving that project deserved at least acting nominations yeah. but i'm also it surprised me a little bit that welcome to chippendales got as much attention as it did yeah. here because it was one of those Shows that I watched thought was good, but like Mm -hmm. didn't feel like anyone was talking about. So when Mm -hmm. I saw these nominations come through, I was like, oh, wow, like, Mm -hmm. okay, more people were paying attention than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: and to that point, let's talk about the supporting actors. Last year's winner, Murray Bartlett, is back here for Welcome to Chippendales. Another one from Dahmer. I think he's so good in this. Richard Jenkins. And then we have two from Blackbird, Paul Walter Hauser and Ray Liotta. Two from Beef, Joseph Lee and Young Mazzino. And then from Love and Death, Jesse Plemons. Uh, of course, this is a posthumous nomination for Ray Liotta. I think between the two from Blackbird, Paul probably has more momentum. Actually, I think he probably has the momentum to win, but I would not be upset if Richard Jenkins won.
2: I could also see, though, as you mentioned, a, a posthumous win for yeah. Ray Liotta to just because mm-hmm. not that he's undeserving but right. but like I think that that could push him to a possible win here as well but man I mean this category mm-hmm. is stacked all of these have been like yeah. this year's nomination list is just every category is there's there's like not a clunker in the bunch. No, no. Um, and that's also what I love about the Emmys, though, in terms of their flexibility in the number of nominees, mm-hmm. is they're willing to expand and contract based right. on submissions, number submissions, number submissions, right? No More submissions, and yeah. yeah, more mathing. But also, like, there's some categories that we didn't end up with any nominees because they were like, really, there was nothing that right. rose to the level mm-hmm. of nominee. Like, I like the fact that they're not like set and be yeah. like, well, we're gonna choose ten, yeah. and it's mm-hmm. like, well, then there's always the few that you're like, whatever. Right. That that's not the case here, and yet still. We see so many people in all of these categories because mm-hmm. there's so many deserving performances. This is, it's a stacked category. Yeah, it's. it's I'm tough. gonna. If I was betting, I actually, I, I do agree that Paul Walter Hauser, who has won other mm-hmm. awards for yeah, this performance, uh, Globe uh, nominated uh, for SAG. Yeah, yep. again, seems like nine thousand years ago mm-hmm. because we saw that uh, mm-hmm. one at Critics' Choice as well. Okay. If I was a betting man, and I am, although I haven't put any money on this race yet, Ray Liotta, I think, is actually where I'd go, just mm. just like the momentum yeah. of, of celebrating him and his entire career. Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: worth noting, too, Murray Bartlett's a double nominee, also for guest in a drama for The Last of Us, Ugh. which that... gets tricky, too, because... He and and Nick Offerman both, like, I don't know how you choose between the two of them for that show. Right. And they might cancel each other
2: out. They might cancel each other out there. I wish they could have submitted that as a a movie just because it was so one-off right? from the rest of the series. Mm -hmm. Man, that series is so good. So, like, have the confidence in saying, we are launching a new show and less than, like, four episodes in, we're going to give you a completely different story. Right. Like, what? Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, God. And it worked. It it did work. It worked big time. By the way, just to mention, uh, not that we have to break this one down, but the other guest actor and a drama nominees are James Cromwell for Succession, Ariam Moyad for Succession, and then Lamar Johnson also for The Last of Us, and Keevan Montreal Woodard for The Last of Us. Uh, so four, actually, from The Last of Us, the other two from Succession.
2: Ay- we have a record. Youngest. Right, right. Keevan youngest, is the yeah.
0: youngest. Uh, Lamar plays his older brother. Mm-hmm. Jeez, I don't know. That's, that's tough.
2: That's one because I love Arian and I think he's a fantastic actor, but similar to J. Smith Cameron, I didn't feel like there was like a ton there. So yeah. his nomination surprised me, not because of his talent, but because I just was like, it's hard to pinpoint mm-hmm. a moment that you're just like, right. man, that's that was a great scene this yep. season. Yep.
0: yep. Well, unlike James Cromwell, who the funeral, of course, was incredible for everyone. That's, that's definitely his moment, but ugh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, boy. Well, just going off
2: the, off the I, yeah. Off script.
0: Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So getting back we to, to our extra plan. Category. Mm-hmm. Um, so the big category, limited or anthology series. Five nominees. Beef, Dahmer, Daisy Jones, and the six. Fleischman is in trouble. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Congrats to Obi-Wan for its nomination. We can talk about the other four.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think buzz-wise, Beef is what people were talking yeah. about at the time of nominations being made and is the one most fresh on everyone's mind, I feel. Dahmer, of course, has won a ton of awards, so I could mm-hmm. see that wave continue for them. But, yeah, I don't know. And the, and the thing is, Daisy Jones great. People love it. Yep. Fleischman was really interesting. I thought it was creative storytelling. Mm-hmm. I, I liked that as well. I think I would go Beef here, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, so it, it, good for Netflix. Uh, they have two. They're competing against themselves, yeah. essentially. Um, yeah, I think there might be some kind of. If I'm looking at my ballot, thinking if I'm, I'm giving Nisi the win, I'm probably giving Evan Peters the win. We'll talk about that category next week. Uh, I will award reward award the actors but i don't know if i feel like going so far as to like give it to the series which of course a lot of people there was some controversy about the families of the right right uh not loving the story being yeah without
2: them being more they didn't know that it
0: was going to happen and not by any means does it uh you know glamorize anything that he did Uh, in fact it Drew attention I did not know how much like like Niecy's character and other people were trying to like get police's attention and it kind of became a bit of a you know a race issue that that neighborhood that part of town police didn't really necessarily care about what was going on they're like uh it's whatever so that's that to me is really what the story is about the the that he could have been stopped yeah so yeah i guess i go with beef as well Ugh, that's a tough one that's a tough one like last year they were they were tough ones as well the dropout ended up emerging there yeah sure fine I'll I'll say beef (laughs) why not okay so we've mentioned her name several times and we are going to get to my interview with Nisi Nash right after this quick break don't go anywhere the awardist will be right back Welcome back to The Awardist. All right. So this person, Nisi Nash Betts, has been one of my favorite personalities for a long time. I came to know her, which I I tell her here, as host of the the home series Clean House, where she was helping people like organize their lives, but getting really to kind of like the heart of the matter. Why is there all this clutter and all that stuff? Were you not a Reno 911 fan? Well, then, then, but more so because of the movie, not the series. Um, Yeah. So I kind of like came to it in reverse order. She and all of that cast are f- hysterical. They're so funny, but that's what's interesting is that people knew her as a comedian, but she didn't really like. That's not what she intended to do. Um, so she really took course of her career, got her team together, and said, "Hey." We need to have a chat, and here we are talking about a fantastic, dramatic actress um, who's really been turning in some great work on both film and television. Uh, Folks may also know her from Claws or from, uh, she's on uh, ABC's rookie spinoff, Rookie Feds, Uh, of course this, and plenty of other movies, uh, Scream Queens. She was great playing the police officer. But anyway, let's get to it. She is going to break down lots of behind the scenes of Dahmer, which by the way, she was filming Dahmer. And the new episodes of Reno Nine One One at the same time. I love that. Like she would be filming Dahmer in the morning and then go to Nine One One. I she'll explain. Uh, so let's get to it. Here's my interview with Nisi Nash Betts. Well, Nisi Nash Betts. Uh, first of all, welcome to the awards and thank you for doing this. I got to tell you, I'm uh, I'm so thrilled to have you here because this is since the moment uh, Dahmer debuted. Um, I mean, I know it was a, it was a hard watch for a lot of people, but I was like, yeah, but you guys, you got to watch like for one, for the performances from Evan Peters and Nisi Nashbets, but also because of the uh the, the the kind of travesty that unfolds in the story the stuff that i didn't realize how police were not taking calls seriously how they weren't investigating how like how it feels like so much of this could have been prevented um and and it's uh in, in that way uh for me taking it all in was just a a really kind of heartbreaking series to watch in those regards and your performance was just uh next level so congrats and and like i said thanks for joining me
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, of course. Well, now before we get into the real like nitty gritty of uh, of this character, Glinda Cleveland, um, we'll just touch on some other things with you first because sure. I've heard you um, speak about uh, how it was about a decade ago, I think, that you called a meeting with your team to quote reintroduce yourself in terms of like who you are, the roles that um, <laughs> the roles that you wanted to be pursuing, what you felt you were capable of. Was that meeting? Was was that something that had been brewing in you for a while or was there kind of like an aha moment that was the catalyst for that happening?
1: No, I think from the beginning uh, when I entered entertainment, I never entered thinking I want to be funny. I didn't know that funny was was anything because I got punished for it. You know, I got put on punishment oh. for cracking jokes in class. I got pinched in church. Uh- <gasps> you know, for, you know, impersonating the pastor. Like I I got in trouble a lot. I didn't know that funny was a way to make a living. I always wanted to be a serious actress. But when I embraced the fact that I'm just naturally funny, I was born that way. um, I started to work, but people always, you know, want to leave you where they meet you. So they were like, oh no, I've seen you before. You're the funny girl. So when I said I really want to do other things, I kind of got trapped because no one in my industry saw me the way I saw myself. So I had to have a meeting with my team to reintroduce myself and invite them to see me like I see myself so that we could all stay on the ride together. And then that's when I got the audition for Getting On. And that job changed my life.
0: That's the one. That's what you you think it changed everything for you.
1: Changed my life. Yes. It changed my life in terms of the expansion. I would have still been working my entire career being a funny girl, but now I'm all the girls. You know, <laughs> yeah. That, that, that job let the industry know that they could trust me with whatever the work is. I can make you laugh and I can make you cry and everybody can't see if they can do both.
0: Right. So did you feel that uh, that that light switch flip pretty quickly then uh, with that role or did it still did it still take a minute?
1: I felt the light switch immediately. Mm. Ava DuVernay called me at home and I didn't know her to say, I saw you in this project and I think you would be perfect for this role in Selma. You are my Richie Jean. And then I also was nominated for uh, an Emmy two years in a row because of that role. Uh, yeah. And then the jobs that I got after people were searching for the, the groundedness that they saw in nurse D.D. Dee Dee Ortley. So I, I felt it right away. Have you ever
0: booked a role where the, <laughs> the, like the character description was like a Nisi Nash type. And you're like, well, hi, I'm right here.
1: Booked one? No. Seen it? Yes.
0: Ah, okay.
1: Yeah, because if you want a Nisi Nash type, call me. You yeah, don't, we don't exactly. Have to to
0: no, it kills me when people tell those stories. They're like, yeah, I saw it. It was a casting call looking yeah. for a... Whoever, you know, fill in the actor's name, type, and they're like, I'm available for work. Call me up. What's the hesitation? Right here. Yeah. (laughs) It's that's so wild to me. Well, I mean, like you said though, you you came up in and made a name for yourself um, in comedy on uh, so many great fun projects. Though I have to admit, I think my introduction to you was you being you on Clean House. I was into that show because I am an organization freak. Like I cannot handle uh, clutter. So you were my jam.
1: Thank you. People were into that one for different reasons. Um, Well, there was a
0: a great emotional hook on that show too.
1: Because that show kind of felt like therapy in a way. Yep. Yep. Because the clutter was always an outward expression of an inward thing. And I'm like, well, let me peel back the layers and get to that part so that you can stop living like this part. So it's funny because that is one show that people still come up to me and talk to me about to this day. Matter of fact, I ran into one of my one of my families at the grocery store the other day.
0: Get out.
1: No, and I was like, "Hey, girl." Um, <laughs> so yes, people still talk about that show, and you know the writers are striking. I went out on the picket line in solidarity. One of the girls who was picketing said, "You did my sister's house on Clean House," and I'm like, "What?" So yeah, that one is that one is still still out there for some people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it, it still holds a, a special place there for you. But what's interesting that you said was um, that getting to peel back the layers with these people and, you know, find out what's at the core, what's going on. You're doing that as an actor,
1: too. Are you not? I'm doing that as an actor, too. And it's delicious. hmm. It almost brings tears to my eyes when I think about, you know, it's like fine dining. When you, you know, you eat fast food all the time and then somebody takes you to a really nice restaurant and they say, order whatever you want. You know what I mean? Or when you was a kid and you go to a nice restaurant and you know you don't got to worry about the bill and you just pointing to everything you want. (laughs) I feel like that in my acting career because now that the industry knows that they can trust me, comedy, drama, or right down the middle, the options. I can choose what I want to do. And it, and it and it and it all tastes good. People say, "Do you have a favorite? Do you like comedy or drama?" And I say, "I like work." Uh-huh. I like yeah. work. Cuz why? Cuz I want to go have fine dining. You see how I brought that back around? So the work uh-huh. is what's going to get me the thing. But I I enjoy um Doing things I haven't done before, but the but the but the most satiating part about all of it is to know that my peers in this industry understand at this point that Niecy Nash is a multi hyphenate. She can make you laugh, she can make you cry, she can give you right in between, and not everybody in this business can do both. So I'm happy that they know they can trust me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, as you are, you know, having more options on the menu, uh, at the fine dining restaurant to choose from, uh, do you find yourself, um, maybe especially as it pertains to comedy being
1: pickier, you know, I think what happened was I was doing so many funny things. Then when people said, Oh, she can do this other thing, I started doing leaning more into, very hard and very challenging roles. And I'm like, oh my God, people forgot I'm funny. Quick, I need a comedy. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe
0: maybe even also for your own sanity there.
1: Well, you know, what was lucky for me was that when I did, you know, the gut-wrenching emotional work of Jeffrey Dahmer, at the same time, I was also filming Reno 911. Mm. So I was able to step out into the light.
0: Got it. You Mm. see what
1: I mean? So I was able... Mm -hmm. To do both at the same time. Yeah. And one helps. minute there, set to set, leaving here, mm-hmm. going there, leaving there, going back here. So. Oh, when
0: you I, say doing both, you literally mean doing both at the same time, going between the projects.
1: Oh, literally. it wasn't
0: one after the other. Oh, boy. No, 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 yeah. no.
1: Not at the same time, like I will oh, finish okay. this and then do that. It was yeah. good night, everybody. See y'all in, uh, you know, see you next week. Tell them I'm on the way, I'm on the freeway.
0: Whoa, Nisi! Wow, literally that's...
1: take Glenda off. Excuse me, baby, I'm gonna sit you right here. Yeah, let me put Ray Nisha on and drive across there.
0: I can't imagine, but like you're saying, getting to though have this is how that, like, yeah,
1: <laughs> that's how I look because I went crazy. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, but but like you're saying though, that light helped get you through the. Donner- I needed it. Yeah. well and by the way I also want to mention another uh, recent series you were just fantastic mm-hmm. on as Davies Therapist on Never Have I Ever uh, you were just uh, love you love that show so much Um, and that final season That's was uh, so good so good love thank
1: that you. thank yeah. you I love getting that call from Kaylin because um, they had filmed it with someone else and I don't know what happened but They called me and said, Are you available? You know, we want to do a reshoot of these scenes and we want to shoot them all at once. That was the first call. I was like, So, you know what I mean? No breaks in the day. It's just me in therapy. Change your skirt, come back, change your hair, come back, go do this and come back. And I was like, "Uh, Okay. And because I loved Mindy, I had worked with her on the Mindy project. I got there, fell in love with my tray. Um, love the script, love the series, and so it's funny because I get a lot of young people in my DMs asking me questions like I'm a real therapist. Get out, you really? know. And I'm like, Baby, I'm not Doctor Ryan, huh? But I've uh, been through some things. Yeah, I, can, I was going to say you some life experience. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, get or do you have a, Do you have a book? I was going to say, if not, get that book written and, and point that the, that Amazon link their way. <laughs>
1: Well, it is a book on this shelf over here, but it's all about love. It's not about, it's not about, you know, what they want to talk about.
0: Life advice. Right, that's right. That's
1: a too grown. If they read that book over there, their eyes might start bleeding. Don't read, <laughs> don't read that. My book is called It's Hard to Fight Naked. They should uh, not read that.
0: No, no. that yeah, You're saying right. that would be one of those that would be banned in a, in a school in the South?
1: <laughs> you understand me?
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Um all right. Well, well let's get into uh some of the serious stuff here. Um in Dahmer, as I kind of already mentioned, it's uh, you know, certainly heartbreaking and and gross I think is the word I will use at times as we're seeing um Glenda trying to get someone to sure. uh pay attention. And and all the while you're bringing such a a wonderful humanity to this character you are us watching this story play out but knowing that of course you you know you wanted to be leaning into you know some of these more dramatic projects and stuff even still when this came your way was this an easy yes or did you have to like think for a second about what you would really be opening yourself up to emotionally and
1: mentally can we talk about it let's talk ryan murphy called me and said hey I've got this thing I want you to do, and I said, "Okay, yes, I'll do it." <laughs> then I looked at the scripts and was like, "Oh my god!"
0: Oops, <laughs> oops, A little reversal in the order there of <laughs> the, the things, but
1: well, because you know, Ryan Murphy and Ava DuVernay are the people who will always have me at hello. Mm -hmm. forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So I said yes before I knew what it was. Cause I'm like, oh, the last time he called me, he wanted me to be on Scream Queens. I had Mm -hmm. so much fun doing that role. Like, yes, I'll do it. Yeah. And then he was like, I'm going to send you something. And I was like, you know, when I read it, I'm like, oh boy, put your big girl pants on. Because anytime you play real people, there is such a weight and a responsibility to get it right. The same when Ava, you know, cast me and when they see us, the story about the Central Park Pride, you know, the same when I was in Selma, you know, playing Richie Jean. These are all real people. And um, so when they get ready to make my life story, they better get it right. No, just kidding. <laughs> but um, when, you, when you play a real person, there is much more weight added to it because you have to consider them, their family, their, you know, uh, their essence, the way they took up space, you know, you, so it's a lot involved in that part, but I said yes, quick. So I didn't have a choice.
0: Hmm. Well, so once you dug in, uh, you were getting all those scripts, was there, uh, was, was there a, a scene, a moment that as you read it, you were like, oh boy, that day is going to be a rough one or maybe a couple of days depending on how long the scene was
1: well the scene where Evan and I finally come face to face people in mm-hmm. the world call it the sandwich scene
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when
1: I let him into my apartment and finally look him in his eyes and say what are you doing over there I knew that was going to cost me something um I knew that walking in to that baby's funeral, the mother is over there wailing, you know, and to look at that father and say, I tried. It breaks my heart every time I think about it because it could have been prevented. You know what I mean? If they had listened, if there wasn't institutionalized racism and homophobia and and, you know, black and brown people being over police, but underserved and and white privilege. And if it were not for so many of those things and so to look that father in the face and say, I tried it, I, that was heartbreaking. Um, and also to hear Glenda Cleveland when she called the police after they walked the Conorac baby back into that house and hear her say, what well, is it? I'm just following up cuz you know my my you know my kids say that they saw him playing with earthworms and things that he was a baby, that was a child. And I just want to make sure, you know, those three things um I think I knew were going to be the things that were going to cost me something.
0: Mhm. Well, I had specifically written those two down, uh, to, to kind of break down with you because, um, well, I mean, first of all, with the, uh, Glenda and her daughter, as they see, uh, you know, that, that young victim, uh, wandering the the, the street and, and Dahmer claims, oh, he's just intoxicated. Let me get him back inside. He's okay. Um, I mean, you, you are a parent, yourself. Mm-hmm. So how, I like how much should even that play into that there's a desperation um that that comes through from you in that scene.
1: Well, you know, I don't know, many people don't know, but there was my daughter and my niece standing your, on the Your podium.
0: your real daughter and niece. Yeah.
1: My well, in the scene, Glenda's daughter, Glenda's niece, but for oh. Nisi Nash bats the daughter was my daughter. That's my real daughter. That's the one over my shoulder on that book back there. That baby played my daughter. So, you know, when you're doing the work and you're a conduit for your character in your instrument, there is still that space when you're looking over your shoulder at your offspring saying, My God, my God. You understand what I'm saying? I would have wanted somebody to do the same thing same if thing. they saw my baby in distress Yep. and question the police and say, wait, 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 you just about to walk this child back in here. Yeah. So there were so many things going on, but when you go back to talking about the light, um, that was like one of those days where you just feel gutted and you mm-hmm. have your real life daughter on set with you and out of nowhere, She's like, hey, mom, want to do a TikTok? And you're like, God, yes. (laughs) I want to do it more than anything in the world right now. Please, yeah. Let's make a TikTok, baby. Let's make a TikTok. Uh,
0: Yeah. Were you learning some dance choreography pretty quickly? Like one of those? (laughs) dance?
1: yeah. I did. I I learned. uh, Well, learned. I I put it in air quotes from heaven. But I Uh, learned the choreography to Cardi B's song, Up. While I was ah. on set, my daughter she taught me the whole. That's a fun
0: one. That's a fun <laughs> one. Okay, so the sandwich scene, as it is as it is called, that you said. Um, yes, I rewatched it uh, before before speaking with you here, and it is, I think, one of the most terrifying scenes I have seen in a while um, because because of the level at which both of you are playing the scene the the, the volume of your voice, uh, all, all of these things play into it. It, it really elevates the, uh, the the urgency and the intimidation and the anxiety of it. Were there a lot of discussions about the the, speci- the specifics of that, how to play it? And, and did you even like f- perhaps film it multiple times in different ways?
1: There was not a lot of conversation. Um, I think Evan and I both knew it was coming. Mm -hmm. Um, we had not really had any time on camera that was that extended or that intense. Um, and because Evan is an actor who stays in his process, Mm -hmm. we didn't really connect on set because he needed to stay intimidating. He needed to stay, um, uh, menacing you know, mm-hmm. in his mm-hmm. own way. So it wasn't like we were like, hey, what you do last weekend? There was none of that. So now we have this scene on this day. Although I was very protective of Evan, and I wanted to make sure he knew that I was praying for him and I wanted to make sure that he knew, you know, that I was covering him as best I could, you know, because he had a lot on him. But when we get to this particular day and this particular scene, I look up and lo and behold, guess who I see? Ryan Murphy. Um. I'm like, what are you doing here? (laughs) He's like, I came to see the scene. I'm like, oh God, okay. (laughs) All right.
0: No extra pressure, but fine.
1: Right. And I think we walked through it once in rehearsal. And Ryan was like, yeah. And he left. And Evan and I got to work. (laughs)
0: Okay. I mean, I guess that's all the confidence perhaps you needed.
1: Maybe. And what I knew for sure in my instrument was that I needed to let the audience know that I was deathly afraid, but I needed Evan's character, Jeff Dahmer, to think I was as cool as a fan. Mm -hmm. So there was a duality in that scene that I'm not going to tell you is easy to play for me, uh, but I was up for it. And I'm like, how do I bake in the elements that let let the audience know, please be afraid for me because I'm afraid for me, but let Jeff Dahmer know, try it if you want to, because you got the right one on the wrong day. (laughs) So those Mm -hmm. are two totally different things that you're trying to play at the same time. Ask me how I did it. How'd you do yeah. this? Yeah. I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but don't sometimes know. though, but sometimes though. Tell me this though. If you had thought about it too much, would that have been perhaps to your detriment?
1: No, I needed to think about it because sometimes you're in a space and a place where two things can be true at the same time.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah.
1: I'm angry and I love you.
0: Mm-hmm. Two totally
1: different Things and emotions, but they can both be true at the same time. It was a balancing act and I wanted to be very present, to walk in the truth of it because I needed people to um, see themselves in the moment. Right. If that was me, because we always do that. If I was the neighbor, if I was the girlfriend, you, you know what I mean? So you want to give people. The uh duality of the emotions that you're experiencing in the moment, which is the reason why, as soon as he walks away, Glinda goes, It's almost like she was holding her breath the entire time, you know what I mean? Um, and it was like I faced my biggest fear. I looked the devil in the eye and I lived to tell the story, you know. Mm-hmm. if he sensed that I was rattly or shaky. It' no telling what could have happened.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, oh, he was, he was looking for his in for sure. Uh, and oh, yeah. I, I love that she, that you did not give it to him at all. Yeah. That, no. that breath at the, as soon as that door closes and that, I think I felt myself take the breath with you. It's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, just being glad that the scene is done because what you didn't know the yeah. way it was going to go. But my gosh. No. Well, huge, huge. Uh, applause and kudos, uh, on that because Thank it's, you. it's a, Thank it's a real, really, uh, I was about to say beautiful, but beautiful in the technique and the, and, and the emotions that it, it evoked both between the two of you and, and for us watching. Um, I don't think it's, it's, it's any secret to anyone who's watched Evan over the years, you know, at how talented he is, but what were you not expecting that you got to experience and witness firsthand?
1: Wow, that's a great question. First of all, I can tell you that watching Evan up close is a gift to any actor. I mean, it's like a master's class and how you take on a character. It is like, you know, becoming the thing. You know what I mean? Uh, I did, I'd never worked with him before, so I didn't know his process. So, I didn't know that we couldn't chit chat and, you know what I mean? And pal around uh, in between takes or, you know, whenever I saw him, you know what I mean? I was like, I thought he was mean. And I was like, I'm a nice lady. I know you're not going to be mean to me. You know, but then I realized, I'm like, oh, this baby is in his process. And he's like, I can't do what I need to do in front of that camera and love you in this room. Mm. But now he's obsessed with me. We've wrapped.
0: <laughs> I was about to say, I, I definitely get the sense from a lot of the, you know, events we've seen you at and Q&As you guys do together that uh, that there's a there's a really uh, kind of beautiful rapport between the two of you.
1: Now it is. That's my baby. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Was was there then anything once you got to experience Evan without Jeffrey Dahmer looming over everything was, was there something that like you wanted to talk to him about, learn for not necessarily learn from him, but learn, uh, you know, about him?
1: Um, I was just happy to see him lighter. I didn't want to start like, let me unpack and let me take you back to the this is and the that. I just wanted to enjoy just getting to know him. You know, our art is what we do, but our who, who we are, you know what I mean? It's different. And I was interested in the who, not the dude.
0: Yeah. Makes complete sense. Um, yeah. You have uh, recently spoke a bit about your own uh, very unfortunate personal connection to violence. Uh, with your brother was was killed. Uh, was it 1993? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And your, your mother, I believe she also even survived a, a shooting uh, when you were a teenager. How, how does that experience impact whether you will even consider a project that involves victims of violence?
1: Um, it, that's an interesting question. Um, I almost feel like in some spaces and places there is a responsibility you know, that I have as a survivor to be a part of storytelling like that because I know, I know the pain, I know the trauma, I know the loss. Um, I still get very, very skittish uh, when it comes to anything that I do that involves me having to shoot a gun or somebody pulling the gun on me. Those things always give me pause. Those are the nights that I don't sleep before I go to set because, you know, you show up with your full self and your full self includes your own personal trauma. You know what I mean? And my grandmother always said, you pull up and you push through and you never look like what you're going through. So the part of me that has to step on the me in order to stand flat footed in the art is always a challenge in those types of scenes.
0: Never look like what you're going through. Uh huh. Baby, if that's, I look like the
1: things I've been through, yeah. I would I would look like a mess right now.
0: I know. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. but that's I'm I'm I, I'm saying it back to you almost as a like I'm telling myself to never forget that line. That's a oh yeah. That's that's hmm. Okay, it was very profound. I'm not going to forget that. Well, last thing that I have for you then here is um. At the end of the day, what what's what's the what kind of artistic growth or fulfillment did you get from getting to become Glenda?
1: What I got from it um, was really giving vent to her voice. She had gone unheard for so long, um, and for people to finally. Be able to see her experience, to see her pain, to see what it cost her to be pushed back and to be silenced and stepped on. Um, I my my only regret is that she's not alive to see it. You know yeah. what I mean? And I try to put, I just tried so hard, you know, to to put my heart and my soul into it primarily. For her, you know, I appreciated that Ryan trusted me, but I did not want another day to go by that that woman was not fully seen, you know, that, you know, and that, you know, I, I was happy that I was the one to, to have that charge.
0: Yeah. Well, you did it. You did it very well uh, congratulations on the work. Uh, and and like I said, I, I know some people find it hard to watch this series, but uh, I I think if they can push through the, um, the very inhumane parts of it, they will see, like I said, the humanity in, in what you bring to, to Glenda and, and her story. And I think that's, what's really important here. Um, and, and why, why I'm glad to see the story told. So, uh, so Nisi, thank you so much for your, for your time. Uh, like I said, congrats on this.
1: Thank you so
0: much. Well, I wish I would have had a, a few days just to talk to her, like just to spin with her. I'd love to hang out with Nisi. Uh, she's is such a genuine person, but her work has just been so fantastic. And, you know, she had her own daughter there on set with her. This was like an
2: Oprah interview, Jared. It, like she was getting so emotional. <laughs> look, I mean...
0: Uh, should I add that to the resume like ability to make people cry a la Oprah And no no but it's you know the emotions are all there and raw I mean the fact that she didn't even really know who she was playing when Ryan called and said hey you want to do this and then had to be like oh shit this is the role you wanted me for
2: it just is such a testament to the ability she has to to dive into anything. Yeah. And I think that, you know, as much as she wanted to be a dramatic actress, I think that that's where a lot of the comedy, or at least what makes her good at comedy, yes. uh, yep. is the ability to just dive in and make it a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, with Ryan One, all that sort of doing improv, like that's necessary. And I think that's how, why we see a lot of really great comedic actors uh, able to uh, do a dramatic role like this mm-hmm. is because it, it's the same muscles. You're just using them a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, it's beautiful to hear her discuss her process and also how she takes the personal and brings it into her professional life. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot
0: of comedy is born of pain. So, yeah. you know, it, it makes complete sense. So, obviously, all the best to her with uh, this award season. Our, our um, hypothetical money is on her. And I guess we'll know... I don't know, one One month, month, two months, early 2024. (laughs) I'll take bets on that too. Yeah, exactly. Next time, next week. Well, Patrick, that's it. Thanks for joining me. Of course, anytime. And thanks so much to all of you for listening. If you like what you're hearing here on The Awardist, you can follow, rate the podcast, and leave us an award-winning review on Apple Podcasts. And to keep the conversation with us going, you can follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials. We're at EW on Twitter, or X, or whatever the heck you want to call it, and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag me at Jared Hall. We'll see you back here next week. This episode of The Awardist Podcast is hosted by Jared Hall, produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio, edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening.